You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to an emergency edition of Locked on Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans NBA as a whole, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all for an emergency edition, yes, the emergency edition of Locked On Pelicans. The Anthony Davis trade is done. He is going over to the Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to look at this over three segments here on the podcast today. First, we're going to look at the negotiations. We'll, we'll explain what the actual trade was. The negotiations that went on besides that, how did this deal go? get done. We've got a lot more insight to that now. Then we're going to look at the package the Pelicans get in return for Anthony Davis. We'll analyze those players. And then what's next? What's next for the Pelicans with Zion? What's next for the Pelicans with all the picks they get? The players they get? Are those going to be spun into other things? Or who might the Pelicans take in the draft? And when will the deal get done? So let's do it in this emergency edition of Locked on Pelicans. All right, so the actual deal. Yes, Anthony Davis is headed to the Los Angeles Lakers in return. The Pelicans are getting Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and a whole bevy of first-round picks has been reported by ESPN as well. They are getting the number four pick in this draft next week, 2019, a top eight protected pick in 2021 that becomes unprotected in 2022. That can get done because technically this deal will not be completed till after the NBA draft. So the step-in rule is not in effect here because technically the Lakers make this pick. Simple as that. They're not trading it to the Pelicans before, meaning they can, in a way, kind of trade consecutive first round picks in this. There's an unprotected pick swap in 2023 because of the protections and all of that. That's going to be a swap right there. So the Pelicans will get the better of the Lakers or their own pick in 2023. There's an unprotected first coming to the Pelicans in 2024. Yeah, we're going far, far out here. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that's either the last year of LeBron's deal or the first year where he won't be on the Lakers or at least under contract right now. That looms large. We'll talk about that more in the next segment. And then an unprotected pick swap in 2025. We are thinking six, seven years out here, and the Pelicans control the Lakers' picks for the next seven years. It's a lot. I know this isn't the deal that a lot of Pelicans fans wanted, but that's why it is almost even more impressive because the deal they did want Jason Tatum and a package from the Boston Celtics was not really out there on the table for them. So the Pelicans in recent days have really lost a lot of leverage. And this is likely because Kyrie Irving is basically not re-signing there in Boston. And they just didn't feel they could move Tatum or Jalen Brown or maybe both of them. And that Memphis pick potentially too, when they need to start planning a little bit more for the future because they're not necessarily going to be title contenders next year, even with Anthony Davis, if Kyrie Irving walks. Okay, they're out. The Pelicans now are losing leverage. The Lakers are gaining a lot of leverage. And they were still able to kind of eke out and squeeze just every ounce of value from the Lakers possible. And that's what makes this trade so impressive. Not necessarily the players they're getting back. 
You guys know I'm not super duper high on Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram, and I don't particularly care that much about Josh Hart. And the picks themselves aren't going to be tremendous either because, frankly, a lot of those picks are going to be in the mid-20s, let's say. Nothing sexy there. This is not necessarily the Nets and Celtics trade from a couple of years ago because I believe at least one of the picks from the Nets was in the top five and maybe another one was as well. So this isn't going to be that kind of haul, but it's a lot. And there's clearly been a lot of thought put into this by David Griffin into what picks he wants to get. Getting picks that go beyond LeBron's contract, very, very good. We'll look at those again more in a little bit. So given the situation that the Pelicans were in, this is a hell of a trade. Simple as that, full stop. Hell of a trade to get that much in return when you don't have as much leverage as you once did and the trade market kind of eroded a little bit for Anthony Davis. The Lakers didn't want to give up this much. You can be sure of that. They do kind of win the deal a little bit from their angle that they kept Kyle Kuzma. Maybe Jeannie Buss is just happy about that. And that's how we kind of came to this. Is this a better or worse trade, let's say, than what the Lakers offered the Pelicans at the trade deadline? It's tough to compare because of a number of things. One, now we know all the picks and everything involved in that, and those weren't being offered at the trade deadline. You know, if you don't particularly care for Kyle Kuzma or aren't enamored with him, and I'm not in particular, well then, it's okay that he wasn't included in this. And it's fine, so it doesn't really change all that much because of it. But it's also, you got to think big picture here, that if the Lakers and Pelicans make this trade at the trade deadline, and in theory, the Pelicans get back more, just say some hypothetical offer back then is more than what it is today. The Pelicans don't get Zion Williamson. They don't end up with the number one overall pick. You needed to be exactly in that spot because that's the uh, you know the seventh spot with those odds split between them and the other teams because... That's how it goes. That's the combination that came up. The Lakers likely don't have the four pick then in this draft to include in this trade for Anthony Davis. If they have Anthony Davis back then, their pick might have been not a lottery pick at all if they had made the playoffs. So when you look at it, no matter what, it's good that the Pelicans didn't move Anthony Davis at the trade deadline. We're saying that with hindsight entirely, and it really is more hinged around them getting the number one overall pick than anything else. But you, if you're a Pelicans fan, you're thrilled you didn't make that deal then because things worked out perfectly well with a lot of luck on your side from it. So that's the trade right now. There's some more that's going to be coming and going to be coming out in a little bit. Um, with some of the stuffs with the picks. This is, again, still a really good haul. So we'll know more in the coming days with all of this. But this is a lot. Uh, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the fourth pick. Uh, where are my stats with all of this? Top eight protected 2021 becomes unprotected in 2022. Unprotected pick swap in 23. Unprotected first in 2024. Unprotected swap in 2025. And a little bit more coming as well. So that's the deal. Good job for the Pelicans. Good job for the Lakers too, frankly. You get AD and they're going to be good next year. They're going to be good the year after that too. And probably the year after that. Everyone kind of is happy with this. You might hate that the Lakers got Anthony Davis, but you wanted what's best for the team, and you can't get upset with David Griffin for not making a deal with the Celtics when they weren't offering what he would have wanted or what any of us would have wanted. And all things considered, this is probably the best deal they could have gotten, especially when you figure that Rob Polinka had to get a deal done. The Lakers, at this point, 
could have tried to get cute. And we talked about on the podcast on Friday, don't get cute. You know what? They didn't get cute. That's why they have Anthony Davis today. This deal, some of the specifics with it, will be done at the end of July. Again, this is not going to get done before that. That also means that the fourth overall pick, should the Pelicans keep it, likely not going to be playing in Summer League for New Orleans. Zion Williamson might not be playing in Summer League for New Orleans either. Um, And I'd be willing to bet those two teams, the Lakers and the Pelicans, play each other in that first kind of primetime spot. I'd be willing to bet you're going to see LeBron and Anthony Davis sitting courtside at that one. So that's the trade. Next up on this show right now, we're going to kind of break down the assets the Pelicans receive, and then we're going to talk about what happens next after this. Obviously, this is something we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks here on Locked On Pelicans. So before we get to all of that, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. We're here Monday through Friday breaking down everything you want to know about this trade, whether you're a new listener who's excited about Zion Williamson and wants to see and know more about the bright future for this Pelicans team, we've got you covered. If you've been with me since the beginning, you know we break it down and talk about exactly what you want to hear. So go download whatever podcast app you want to use and subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast. So the actual package of players for the Pelicans, let's dive into that a little bit here. We're going to start with Brandon Ingram, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past. We're going to touch on everything kind of at a high level here on today's show, the Emergency Podcast. We'll dive more into this later in the week and months to come and season to come, frankly. And maybe all these guys, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, aren't even going to be here next year. But Brandon Ingram, what do you need to know about him? Six foot nine forward. He can play the three, can play the four. He's probably better at the four and a guy who needs to put on a little bit more muscle. He is lanky looking, probably works best as a stretch four. It's a guy who's now going to be in his uh, third, fourth season in the league. He just finished up his third year, meaning they're going to need to pay him potentially if he plays well. Shades of the Eric Gordon situation from a number of years ago. Not something Pelicans fans are particularly happy. He's probably the guy that they don't like the most out of anybody in this trade package, but he's also the one with maybe the highest ceiling. First and foremost, though, he has been out and his season ended early with basically a blood clot in his upper body, his shoulder. We need to touch on that first because I've been asked a lot about it. You hear blood clot, you think Chris Bosh and his career ending. This is a very different type of thing. Chris Bosh had his blood clot in his leg. This is an upper body one. I'm not a doctor. I'm kind of repeating what doctors have said about this. And I'll look into maybe bringing an expert on the show regarding all of this. But It sounds like, according to doctors, medical experts, this being an upper body thing is less of a chance of reoccurring than a lower body one. Frankly, if you have a blood clot, it sounds like, yeah, this is about as good of a situation as it could be. I've seen it said that it has a 90% chance at recovery. Brandon Ingram should be working out in July, and he should be back on the court sooner rather than later. Let's just roll with it that this is not a big deal. I also don't think the Pelicans would have really made him a focal point of the trade if they thought that he has a chance of maybe never playing again or becoming a recurring issue. And they've revamped the medical staff. 
They've redone a lot of things. Aaron Nelson from the Suns is in, and I'm sure they all consulted on all of this. I'm sure they saw a lot of the medical reports on Brandon Ingram too regarding this. So everything I'm just going to assume is on the up and up with this, and it's not really going to be an issue because we don't want to spend that much time talking about it. So last season in 52 games, all starts in 33.8 minutes. Brandon Ingram put up 18.3 points along with 5.1 rebounds, three assists, half a steal, about half a block, 2.5 turnovers. He shot, not great, 49.7% from the field and just 33% from deep, not on large volume. So that's kind of the big concern. The points per game are good. He did that on 14 shots per game. That's not horrible. Got to the line 5.6 times per game. Didn't shoot tremendous from the line, not horrible, 67.5% from the free throw line. Overall, this is a dude who can get you buckets. He can score. Simple as that. He can also create a little bit too. He's maybe better as a secondary creator for you. Doesn't work that well off the ball. Defense is okay and kind of leaves a lot to be desired with everything. Um, but does drip with potential. He was the second overall pick out of Duke for a reason. And if he can kind of grow on some of these, there's a guy who could potentially, now that he's maybe going to be more of a focal point of the offense, get you 20 points Per game, You'd like to see some more efficiency. You'd like to see the three-point shooting get a little bit better because as it stands right now, it's a good piece to have, but I don't know if he's going to fit well long-term with Zion Williamson. That's the big concern, but you don't need to worry about that as much next year when you're trying to plan for a long-term with this team. He's going to probably, you know, the Pelicans might look to move him after this deal as well. So that's kind of Brandon Ingram for you. Then you've got Lonzo Ball. We know all about him and his dad. His dad's already been in the media speaking um, about how this is the worst move the Lakers ever could have made. We'll see if that's actually the case or not. And we'll see if he creates issues here in New Orleans. And he comes with the potential that that might happen. And it's annoying that this is the first thing we're talking about with this player. Because when you look at this trade, Lonzo Ball might really kind of be the center uh, focal point or the best player to come out of the deal for New Orleans. It's a guy who's 6'6 at point guard, has very good size, just finished his second year in the league, but has dealt with a number of injuries, only played in 47 games last year. That's after 52 games as a rookie the year before. Last year, in a little over 30 minutes of action, 9.9 points per game, along with 5.4 assists to go with 1.5 steals per game. He did that shooting, ugh, nothing good, 40.6% from the field, 33% from deep, and he shot from the line 41.7%. His shooting's straight up not there. It's a concern, simple as that. He was a good shooter in college, and we talked about this literally last week on the podcast. If you want to value that, that's great. I'm going to look at his career in the NBA so far because it's more minutes than even what he played in college. So we're dealing still with small sample sizes all around. But he's a 38% from the field shooter and shoots just 31.5% from deep. Shot's ugly. It might need to be redone, retooled. And that's a lot for a guy who's going to be entering his third year in the league. His rookie year, the numbers maybe look a little bit better. 10.2 points per game, 7.2 assists, along with 6.9 rebounds, basically averaging 10, 7, and 7. It's not bad. 
that's not bad at all. He's doing it basically on a one-to-one ratio from field goal attempts to shots or to points. So not great there. The efficiency certainly isn't there, but just shooting slightly better is going to make that go up tremendously. Almost only room to go up with that because he's not going to get that much worse. This is a guy who can absolutely thrive in an Alvin Gentry offensive system. He can get out and transition and run. He can make the right passes and he can get to the rim and score that way if you're not asking him to shoot. I expect you'll see a much better statistical season from him. He's also very good on the defensive side of the ball and him and Drew Holiday in the backcourt should make you drool if you like lockdown defenders and guys not being able to get past them. It's very, very good. I'm excited about that. Along with Zion on Williamson if Lonzo Ball stays the Pelicans have a chance at a top five defense year after year after year after year and have a very good core for that that's Lonzo Ball for you again the dad stuff's a big thing we'll see he's gonna get need to get paid in two years as well Josh Hart who's a two guard kind of can do some scoring really off the bench for New Orleans he's been starting as well for the Lakers at times last season 67 games played 22 starts 25 and a half minutes per game, um, taking almost seven shot attempts per game. Basically, averaged eight points per game, 7.8 points, 3.7 rebounds, 1.4 assists. He's a guy who can go out and score. His rookie year in the league, he shot 39.6% from deep, had a sophomore slump last year, 33.6%. But this is a guy you want to see just out there hitting a couple threes, doesn't quite need the ball in his hand as much, can be a spot up shooter. You can play him at the two, um, which is where you'll see him most likely. He's probably coming off the bench for New Orleans, given that they're going to have Holiday and Lonzo in the backcourt. You might pick up a wing at some point in the draft or in the offseason in free agency. You also have each one more who still played at that position as well. So there you have Josh Hart. So the other exciting things from this deal are really the picks. The four pick coming up in the draft, not too bad. You know, it's a three-person draft. It's really a one-person draft. Then it's a two-person second tier. And then it really drops off. So four in this, not ideal. There's some potential talent there too. But what's really what you could do with this pick that isn't a player at this spot that really is intriguing. We're going to talk about that coming up. Then after that, 2021, a top eight protected pick So, may convey, may not. Again, they can do this because this trade won't occur until after the NBA draft, meaning the Lakers can trade next year's first round pick. And you know what? It's probably going to convey. LeBron and AD are going to attract some other talent there. It's likely going to be somewhere in the mid to late 20s. They're going to get that pick. It's not going to be particularly exciting from that concept of it all. Then it starts to get a little bit interesting. So you have that, and then there might not be any pick, potentially, in 2022 if it lands in the top eight and the Lakers keep it. Let's say it just conveys to make it easy. Nothing in 2022. Okay, unprotected pick swap in 2023. We're thinking far out, aren't we here? But you know what? 2023 is going to be the first year that the Lakers may not have Anthony Davis. His contract runs, not Anthony Davis, LeBron James. His contract runs through the 2021-22 season, which is a player option. So it might end after the 2021 season. But say he opts into the $41 million in that and then retires. Let's call it that. 2023 
is really intriguing because that's where the Pelicans have an unprotected pick swap there. They may lose LeBron James. We've seen AD as the number one guy. And I'm not saying he's bad or anything like that. This isn't a shot at him. He hasn't been leading the Pelicans to a ton of success. The, their front office didn't do any favors for him, certainly. But you know what? The Lakers front office hasn't been doing favors to their team either. So if you don't think they're going to get this right, and there's not necessarily a reason to think they will, well, that pick could be absolutely gold. Same for the unprotected first that New Orleans will just straight up get in 2024, meaning they get that pick no matter what, wherever it lands. And then you have another unprotected pick swap in 2025. I believe that's when AD's contract might be up if he signs an extension with the Lakers, which he's probably going to. David Griffin thinking really, really long term here about what the Lakers might do. This is this is probably the definition of playing chess when others are playing the Lakers. And it's funny, if you looked at this as like a stock market type of thing, he's basically shorting Lakers stock, David Griffin is. So I think this is smart, frankly. Look, you know what? No reason not to get as much as you can from them. So these picks... A lot of them are going to be in the mid to late 20s, or they might not even have a swap happen if the Pelicans are worse. Is that that great? Not great. Who knows necessarily because it's so, uh, you know, in the future where you might not know what's going to happen here. But here's the thing. Even if it's not, the Pelicans are still in a good position because those picks in the mid-20s have some value. You can trade those for players or other things, or you can just sign a guy cheaply, and cool, you've got some guys on little money there. Not too bad. But you also have a guy in the front office, Trajan Langdon, who worked with the Nets, who was pretty good at grabbing some picks in the 20s and making sure that they were going to be starters in the league and good players at that. Jared Allen is the one that comes to mind. Karis LeVert wasn't actually drafted by them. He was drafted by the Pacers and traded to them before he was there. So we can't give him credit for that. But they've done a very good job there in Brooklyn. And Langdon is a big scouting guy. They can make the most of these picks. And if you really look at them, at this team and the culture and everything they're building here in New Orleans, you kind of trust them to maybe nail those picks more so than not. So I think this makes you feel okay about it. It's not the Nets and Celtics 2.0. Unless these picks land in the top five, and, and frankly, some might later down the line, but who knows? We can't project that far out. It's not going to be that. But it doesn't mean it's not one hell of a haul. Even if you don't like the players, even if the picks are in the mid-20s, all things considered, the Pelicans got a lot from Los Angeles. Good job on the team. There's a lot of value six, seven years down the line here for New Orleans. So if you look at this, get excited. Don't feel too bad. Those picks and all of that stuff we just covered should make you feel a little bit better. So coming up in the next segment, what's next? What's next for Zion? What's next for New Orleans? What's next for some of the players that are coming over in this deal? There's a lot of uncertainty. We're going to try and make some sense of it. But before we do that, I got to tell you about the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. I host the Locked On NBA podcast on Wednesdays, and we're running our special mock draft, our third annual one. The Pelicans might be making some picks in this draft. I'm going to tell you some other potential picks they may be making in the next segment. Learn more about some of the best prospects, all of those lottery prospects in the draft by listening to the Locked On NBA Mock Draft running through Tuesday. We're going to have five total episodes for you, six picks an episode. 
episode. I'm in there multiple times because I hypothetically traded Anthony Davis. But these guys are going to give you a breakdown of the players they chose. It's going to give the you as a Pelicans fan a lot of insight onto maybe what the Pelicans will be looking for as well. So subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast and Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever it is. The Locked On NBA podcast and Locked On Pelicans. So what next? Great question because there are a lot of unknowns with this. Are the Pelicans going to try and flip any of these players and or picks? And frankly, that's what it sounds like it's going to be. That number four overall pick is going to absolutely be up for grabs for teams that want to kind of move up. Take a look at a team like Atlanta, who has multiple first round picks who may want to move up. They've got eight and ten. That could look appealing to try and get into the top four. They also have 17 after a trade with Brooklyn last week. So there's three first-round picks there that they could package in some sort of capacity in order to move up, and the Pelicans could trade down, add some more depth, and just more assets that they could then flip. Are the Pelicans interested in keeping Brandon Ingram or Lonzo Ball? There is some hesitation within the Pelicans organization to move on from Lonzo Ball because of the issues that his dad brings. But Alvin Gentry does like the fit, I can tell you that. And the potential, if he can find that shot, absolutely is there. It sounds like New Orleans is planning on keeping Ingram for the time being, but maybe a team like the Washington Wizards with Bradley Beal comes into play if they decide they need to dump Beal and get some of those guys on cheaper contracts, though I don't know, with Ingram being a restricted free agent next year, that really qualifies. New Orleans and David Griffin want to get back into the playoffs sooner rather than later. This is a quicker rebuild more of a retool than anything else but you've also got to keep in mind that they tried a little bit too fast this franchise did with Anthony Davis and rushed it and ultimately that's what led to a trade today maybe they need to take a longer outlook with things just keep accumulating assets and accumulating assets and accumulating assets and when Zion Williamson is ready to make that leap to NBA superstar all NBA guy all-star what have you that's when you strike And the Pelicans have a bevy of assets to do that and just those picks from Los Angeles. Now, if they can move some of these other assets for them, that is great. And you can go into the season next year with some competent starters and a team built around Drew Holiday and Zion Williamson. There's also a real long-term outlook on this, as we just said in the last segment, with some of these picks. You know, you got to kind of really keep an eye on other things throughout the league. But it sounds like New Orleans is not done yet. There's also more to find out about the trade as well. So what's next? Probably another trade involving the number four overall pick. Whether it's for other picks or for a player, we'll wait and see. But that's what's coming. New Orleans is not going to be done. There's going to be a lot more rumors and things over the next couple of days, which means you also want to subscribe to Locked on Pelicans so you can keep up with everything. Of course you do. And follow me on Twitter at Nola Jake. So that's where we stand. All of a sudden, AD is going to be in the Lakers. We'll leave you with this. Going to talk about it a little bit more in maybe Monday's show because I know Pelicans fans are not happy that this was the deal that went down. There is still potentially a way, though, New Orleans can screw over Los Angeles. Involves cap space, involves the timing of the trade. We'll see. We kind of have an idea of when this trade might get done. What if New Orleans insists otherwise? Yeah, it's probably being petty. They actually hurt themselves and lose some cap space by doing this. 
but it's still kind of a fun way if they're not happy with how things have gone. And we'll have some more insight to the negotiations as well, and <laughs> including David Griffin not picking up the phone on Palinka uh, for a couple of calls. So the future remains unknown for this team, and they're likely going to be burning up the phone lines trying to get it done. Some of this stuff will stay. Some will not. I don't think David Griffin wants to go into next year with something like five first-round picks and all of these rookies on the team. So look for him to continue to stay uh, to scene and planning really, really long-term. And if you can trade the four-pick maybe for a future first or two next year, I think there's a lot of value in that as well, particularly in a weaker draft like this. So that's what you want to keep an eye on. That what that's what might be coming next. So thank you all for listening to the emergency edition of Locked on Pelicans. If you're a new listener, please hit that subscribe button to wherever you get your podcast from. And you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Nola Jake. A lot more to come in the next couple days, weeks, months, what have you. We're going to break down all of these players, do a full scouting report like I did on Zion Williamson for them all. We'll keep you up to date with all the latest rumors about what the Pelicans might be doing. And hey, we've got Zion Williamson getting drafted on Thursday. So that's some pretty big news right there. Again, thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. We'll be back with you all on Monday. 